Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I tell you, God, like, wrecked my life. Like, he just showed me his glorious manifestation back in 2001 in mission school. And it was sort of like maybe a Jesus lab, but YWAM, you know, mission work. And he confirmed my call to ministry in 2001. Changed me forever. I was never the same. And I was ready to sign up for all these things in 2001, but I didn't end up going to school for another two years. It wasn't that I intended to drag my heels. It's just that life happened, where I said, there are important matters I needed to handle, to do. Um, My father had a tumor behind his eye, and the surgery went wrong, uh, which caused sort of like a stroke, um, bleeding in the brain, was like a half paralysis of his body. He was bedridden for the next two years before he passed away. Uh, So, and then there was the side of me that said, I need to save up money, so I didn't want to borrow for a student loan. Um, So I said, I'm going to just work two more, you know, a year or so, build up some savings, then I'll go to seminary. Between traveling that the work required, I was like traveling 50% of the time, speaking in conferences and such, and when I'm home, my mother be like, visit dad. Between nursing home, hospital visits, um, I was taking two corresponding courses with my seminary during that time. Between all those things, it was enough to break me. It was breaking me through the process, but when I, by the time I finished the final exams that, of the due date, I was broken. I was at church just weeping, crying, and it was just enough was enough. In my first year in ministry, there was a class of a practical ministry, and it gave you assessment tests of who you are and what to expect in ministry. And there was this one stress test, one stress test. And it would ask you all these questionnaires of if you had changes in your job line or work, different company, uh, different city. Did you move to a new location? Did you, something happen with your family? Did, is someone in your family sick? All these questions would give you scores. And when something like this, if you score between 100 to 125, you're probably in the mid-range of the kind of stress that you endure every day. If you score 125 to 150, you're pro- probably pretty stressed. And then it goes something like 150 to 175, you need to seek professional help. You know, it was one of those. I scored 225. I was off the chart. Every major life transition, stress from relationships to um, career change, city change, away from your family, health issues, like I hit it all. Like the major five-point score for every issue that you go through, like I was just checking it off. 225, I was off. It didn't even have a graph for me. (laughs) It was so bad. And I remember thinking, is this what God wants for me? I, I didn't think I was so stressed, but it was there, right? It was building up. But I remember asking, it happened multiple times. 
<laughs> when they called the ambulance during my Hebrews final exam, <laughs> because my body just collapsed. I passed out, like literally I went blackout. That's another story. I was in the doctor's office, and even the doctor, who wasn't a believer, asked me, do you think God, your God wants you to experience this? Sometimes we endure, we do things on our own, and it's not what God wants. It's what we do. In the free will choice that God gives us, in the choices of the crossroads and, and the electives and jobs and the relationships we get involved, these are not what God wants for you. It's what we did to ourselves. And we burden ourselves with stress, anxiety, work. I'm just saying, we recognize that we have seasons when we are busy, when we are more anxious. And sometimes we wonder, where's God in all of that? My question is, are you following God, or are you asking God to follow you? Today we're going to look at a familiar passage in Matthew 6, beginning at 25. And this is a very familiar passage for many of you guys. It's a do not worry passage. Okay, you guys probably know this very well. And again, I didn't plan this. <laughs> Sister here, came to me this morning, and she goes, I got a word for you. And uh, the Lord told me, and she read from text, and she came up and shared about do not be anxious. All right, I don't know what you're going through, but do not be anxious. And she started just prophesying over me. I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's, you're right. She goes, does that register? Oh, yeah. She goes, and I looked and goes, you know what I'm preaching on? I said, do not worry. Do not be anxious. She's like, get out. You can't make this stuff up. This verse, and in fact, it's been on my heart. And then during our family devotion, we were taking turns reading the scripture together. And this text came up, the Luke version of it. I'm going, okay, I know, Lord, this has been my heart. And I felt like, it's not, it will preach to me because this is my testimony. It preaches to me because it, the Lord has been ministering to me. But I felt like the Lord was calling me to share this with you as well. Okay? So I don't know what you're going through, but God has a plan for this message for somebody here. All right. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I'm going to read from the ESV version for you. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more, it's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious. 
saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So let me give you a little backdrop. Jesus, if you read the book of Matthew, there's a lot of sermons. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Those are the, like the tough messages, right? You know, somebody slaps you, given the other cheeks, like, what? Yeah. So there's some tough lessons. Uh, but he goes on from that Sermon on the Mount to messages that are like, you can tell from the context of his sermons that there are some religious people. So I want you to know who he's preaching to. These are to believers, not to unbelievers, which is like the Gentiles. But Jesus is very specifically preaching to his believing community, the Jewish community, particularly in some cases, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the teachers of the religious. So he goes from, you have heard it say, and then he starts correcting what they believe. Like he talked about the Bible. He looked at about the, you know, the feeding the needed, the poor, about the prayer, fasting. And then he shifts from the religious talk to talking about money. I want you to know that context. Because you can't take Scripture out of context and say, oh, this is what God is saying. You got to know what Jesus was leading the crowd in his sermon, what he was talking about. And he's talking about the religious, affluent, doing well. But he's like, he goes from, okay, you think you're religious. You're doing all these right things. But then he talks about the money. And he, he says, uh, Matthew 6, 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Right? So I want you to recognize that, hey, look, money can be an idol in your life. Jesus called it out for what it is. You cannot have two masters. You serve one or the other, and money can be an idol. It is. I, you know, it's kind of interesting that I have not heard this. I remember in the like early 90s or something, messages like this being told. But it was around, you know, fire and brimstone kind of messages during that time. I haven't heard talk about money being an idol in a long time. Even the online download podcast, there's so much going on, I have not heard it. Because pastors don't like to talk about money. It's a tough subject. It makes people feel uncomfortable in, in the pew, right? Why? Because as soon as the pastor talks about money, you think the pastor's going to ask for money. It makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm not saying I'm going to ask you for money. Rest assured, put your guards down. The only time, in fact, I think the last time I talked about money was last year. If you look at our podcast and the sermons that I preached, the only time, and I hate talking about money, but the only time I talked about money, I said, you sow into the kingdom to reap the harvest that God has for you. I shared about the kingdom finances to say, I want you to receive all the blessings that God has for you. Not for you to give into the church, that would be manipulative, but so that you can reap the harvest because you need to sow in order to reap. Make sense? Very simple agricultural analogy. The farmer sows in order to grow to reap the harvest. You don't sow, you don't reap. 
easy, comprehensible. And that was the kingdom principle that Jesus talked about. No, I am not preaching prosperity gospel in this church. I don't believe in that. But I also recognize that the gospel has prosperity. The gospel means the good news. You understand? The gospel literally translates as the good news. I've never heard, oh, you're going to be poor as the good news ever. (laughs) Good news of God means it's really good. That means he wants to take care of you. He doesn't want you to be poor. My God that I worship entails prosperity in his good news message. So you can't ignore that. It's part of the gospel. It is part of the the good news. So I'm not separating one from the other. God's plan is to bless you, not to harm you, give you hope in the future, all throughout the scripture. That's part of the gospel. Do you know who doesn't have the hope? Those who don't have the gospel. And those who heard the gospel but don't believe in the gospel. It's not enough to say that you have heard it or even you've heard it, but you don't believe in it. It is those who have faith in it that receives the blessings and the hope. It's, Christians are called believers. It's, it's a synonym. Why are we called believers? Because we believe. Right? It is at the very core of our identity. We don't just, we're followers of Jesus. We follow. We believe. That means we believe. We believe in who our God is. We believe what he has done. We believe in his promises. We believe in him, even though we have never seen him. We believe. That's faith. Believe so much that we trust in it and stake our life in it. That's belief. That's faith. Those who are hopeless are the ones without the faith. And I want you to know that they go hand in hand. Hope, faith. And when you don't have faith, you are hopeless and you are anxious. They all go hand in hand. So Jesus goes from preaching about the money, then he gets into... um, this text where he says, do not worry, do not be anxious. And he gives illustrations to point out, hey, you know, you want an example? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't do any work. They're useless, yet your Father in heaven still feeds them. You know, my my daughter had a bird, beautiful bird. And it sat in our living room area, big cage, we put toys in it. It's it was, I don't want to sound mean, but it was totally useless. It's as pretty bird as it was. It just stayed in the cage. It was too afraid of us. It would not come out to play with us. And it just stayed. We left the door open. It wouldn't even come out. It just stayed in its little corner. <sighs> useless. I don't want to say, that sounds so mean, but it didn't do anything. But you know what? We still fed it. We still cared for it. We still loved it. And I'm, you know, can be pretty ruthless, but... I'm just saying, we still fed it. And that's what kind of what God was saying. Okay, I'm going to move that. I sound so mean. All right. 
And he gives other illustrations like the grass, the lilies. It's like even Solomon, even in his wealth, and you know what King Solomon, he was like the wealthiest king of all of the Jewish people in the history. And he's like, in his height, in his wealth, in his, all his splendor, it doesn't look as good as those lilies. Because your God takes care of them. Don't you think you are far more valuable than the birds made on the fourth day? You who are made in the image of God, who he calls as children, as sons and daughters, don't you think you're a little bit more valuable than the bird that flaps its wings and makes a mess and poops and, you know? You are so much more valuable. I'm telling you, if you believe you're just equal to a bird, I'm saying you are far more valuable. You are God's precious one. You got to know that. And he bring, Jesus brings this message to say, oh, you have little faith. Meaning, there is something in relation to your anxiousness to what you believe about God. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been hungry. Well, not because you uh, skipped a meal or because you fasted intentionally. I'm saying because you really didn't have food. I don't know if any of you guys went through that. There was a time when we first immigrated to the United States. We were poor. Okay? We lived in the, uh, the, the hood of the South, the trailer park. Uh, we had state subsidy. My parents both worked. My father worked graveyard shift in 7-Eleven. My mother were, uh, cleaned hotels. I mean, we were trying to make ends meet uh, with five kids in the house. I mean, total of six, but one was still in Korea. We had it tough. But I want you to know that this country and had so much resources and help to help us. Even when we barely had things to, to buy stuff, we always had a full pantry. Just programs, free lunch at school, to you know, the resources of the community. We had food, and we weren't even believers. I'm just saying, I'm looking back like, oh my gosh, we never lacked. God always just provided different ways. Even when I didn't know God, he provided a means to help the, our family until we came to know him, but all these resources were provided during that time. Well, you may not have ever been hungry or maybe impoverished, but you may know what it means to be anxious, to worry. I mean, you may not worry about what clothes to wear, but you may... It's really not from not having clothes. It's about what outfit you should wear, you know, for the occasion. But there is something to our anxiousness and our worries. Verse 27 is kind of interesting. I found, it says in ESV version, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And this, we can recognize, okay, your stress will probably shorten your life. And so this is a rhetorical question. He wasn't really asking which of you guys can actually increase your life by worrying, right? But this 27, when I looked at it, it's very interesting. That single hour is 
literal translation of the word, literal word from the original Greek. This is more paraphrased. That one hour is one cubit. You guys remember cubit in your Old Testament Bible? It's a measurement between your elbow to your wrist, and average is about 18 inches. Okay? So like temple account measurements, it's like it was 100 cubits tall, whatever. It's one cubit. And what he was saying is, who can add one cubit to his, that life word has, is translated elsewhere as stature. So uh, somewhere else in the Bible where that word comes up, it's helikio, is Luke 19.3, and it's talking about Zacchaeus. Uh, you remember the tax collector, this little short tax collector? He sees Jesus coming, but he, the Bible says because of the crowd, he could not see because of his stature, meaning he was short, okay? Now, so the King James says, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? That's the literal word. Most translations paraphrase that to, to sort of like a measurement. Who can add a life? Who can add a day to your life, right? Can it add any value? It's a rhetorical. But I want you to know that there's something to be said of the original text. We may not worry about the literal food, clothes, or our physical needs. But we do worry about our stature, don't we? Maybe preserving our stature in our community. Preserving our reputation among our friends. We may not keep up with the Joneses, but we do worry about our stature. What makes you think that you can worry can add anything to your stature? There is no benefit to your anxiousness. But we worry about work, what happens tomorrow, because we can't, we don't know what tomorrow brings. And because of that, because we can't control the things we can't control, like the thunder and lightning and, and the rains that's going to make my flags wet. Ugh. That's what I'm going through right now. <laughs> Do not worry. All right, Lord. Okay. So the point of Jesus is, why do you worry? If it doesn't add any value to you, why do you worry? If it adds no value, you of little faith, you of little faith, don't you think you are more valuable than the birds, than the plants, than anything that you see? Aren't you more valuable as sons and daughters of the living God? Don't you know who your God is? Don't you know who your Father is? We have to recognize who we are. I, when I was preparing this message, I couldn't help, like, this message is like, oh my gosh, it's preaching to me first. It really is. Because I find myself in a situation where it was like two years ago when we planted this church. It was before we planted, I had a uh, lunch with Caleb. We were talking about it, strategizing, and I knew and I signed up to join the resting place. But we also recognized that I left a salary position to plant a brand new church, meaning there's not going to be any salary 
for a while. I don't know if you guys know that. Usually in in process of planning a church, um, you usually go to different churches and you get sort of like mission support, financial. But we didn't do that. I was like, okay, the Lord has a way. We have some savings and we... So I had like kind of like one-year salary, and, and that was a whole testimony itself. I'm going to make this story short. I had that one-year salary, but then if you, any of your fathers, you know what I'm talking about. There's this heart to provide for your family. It, it's having your ducks in a row, having that dominoes just prepared so that you don't have to worry. I'm a doer. I, I get it done. And after we signed up, I'm helping the, the church with all these things, and it was like, I'm giving deals for TRP, and I'm investing just into the ministry to, because I believed in what the resting places was doing. So I was super busy. But then, really, I was trying to do new business and this other business, and I was waiting on a deal, and that deal wasn't coming in. I don't know if you guys can empathize, but I was like really waiting for that deal to come in. It wasn't coming in, and I was frustrated, and I was like kind of complaining to God. I said, God, I'm doing all this busy work for the church and for free, and I wasn't getting what I needed, which was that deal. And the Lord's response to me was, and he said this, invest in the kingdom, I will take care of the rest. Invest in the kingdom, I'll take care of the rest. It's the seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. It was that, but he was speaking my language. He goes, invest in the kingdom. That's what I was doing. Invest in the kingdom, the ministry. And and other things, he's going to take care of it. In that moment, I, I changed my focus from trying to do to focusing on the Lord. My perspective, my focus changed. I invested heart You know, you can be doing church work without giving ministry. Do you understand that? You can be busy for God and not honor him. We can be busy doing stuff that he's like, why are you doing it? In that moment, I changed focus where I said, okay, I'm going to invest in the kingdom. And then I had peace because my focus shifted. And then when I did, I had peace. Worry is gone. I'm doing my thing. And then, Lord, he goes, check your email. I checked my email. And in that moment, the email came that I was waiting for, which was a purchase order that I was waiting for. And that took care of my next year's salary. That's why we were able to do this church plant, guys. There's a whole testimony behind the first year's salary, which I'm, I'll save for another day. But that next year's salary, which I was really anxious about, trying to get my ducks in a row, preparing. But God said, invest in the kingdom. And I'll take care of other things as well. I share that because God cares about you. He cares more than you care. He cares more than you think he cares. I'm hard-headed. <laughs> I need to hear something multiple times before sometimes I get it. I don't know if you guys are like me. I hope you're not. (laughs) I look back in my life and I see patterns where God had to remind me same thing multiple times. So this message preached to me today 
that reminded me of two years ago of the very similar situation. But then in my 20s, I experienced something very similar too. There were different stages of the same things. I want you guys to recognize your setting. But there was a time in my 20s, and I was trying to build my career and trying to do my thing. And uh, I had time, which means I didn't have money. <laughs> if you don't have money, you have the time. If you have the money, you don't have the time. You get, you know, that's how it usually goes. And in that moment, my friend gave me a call and said, hey, there's an opening in my company. It was a publicly traded company. And he knew, and he was high level. He was doing really well. During that time, if you make six figures, you're doing pretty well. This is in, you know, early 90s. He did very well for himself, and he saw an opening. This was just outside of D.C. area, territory managing, and he knows these, op these openings never come up. He gives me a call. He goes, you got to apply for this, and told me all about it. It was like my dream job. I would have made twice more than what I was making. You know, I would have managed my own team, my own office, and all these other things. I was like, and for my, for my age in that season, it was like I, I would drool over that. The problem was I had already signed up to go on my first mission trip. Now, it wasn't a big deal, but uh, it was my heart. Like I was growing in the Lord, and I said, I want to give it all for the Lord. And I'm going to sign up and go to my first mission trip. And But if you go on a mission trip, you can't exactly take a month vacation when you're managing a brand new office and all these other things. So my friend's like, and I told him, it's like, oh, I signed up for this mission trip, this and that. And he goes, you can go anytime. This is how logic works. And he was right. He goes, you can go on mission trip anytime. I know for a fact that these positions don't open up every year. But when it does, you better seize it. It's a great opportunity. And it, believe me, I drooled over this opportunity. I, for the sake of giggles, I applied. I interviewed two times. Then I got a call from the VP. She said, you got it. Come Monday, I have an offer letter for you. That Friday when I got that call, I was like, like stressing out. It might have been that Jew who threw ashes and tear his clothes. I'm like, I was in a dilemma because I so wanted that job. I didn't think I was going to get it, but I wanted it. But I wanted to honor my commitment to the Lord. Because it wasn't just mission trip. It was thinking, I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want to give the Lord my first. And this job was like, do I choose God or the world? That was really the symbol of my choices at that moment. And that weekend, there was a conference called Glorifier 2000. Cindy Jacobs and other major heavy hitters um, were speaking, came to D.C., and there was just spirit knocking out people. Many of my friends were just getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, gifts, like crazy weekend. I get a call 5 o'clock in the morning by my friend, my uh, life group leader. She goes, you got to be at this thing. I don't know what you're going through, but you better be here. She forced me to go, and the Lord just ministered to me during that weekend. But one thing for certain, he spoke so clearly. He goes, son, this whole time you were trying to wrestle, choose between missions and this job. Like, you don't know what the right thing to do is. And he knew my heart, that why it was so hard and heavy. He goes, but don't you think 
if you give up this job for me, then I will give you something even better. He, he spoke in a way that made sense to me. I, I want you to, in that moment, he made it so clear. If I sacrifice, if I give up anything for the Lord, say, here, I give it up for you, Lord. Don't you think he's going to reward you with something better? Don't you know his heart? Don't you know God? Don't you know who he is? I didn't know. Like, I knew God in a distant God. I knew God of this almighty, but I didn't know him, how he cared for my life. And in that moment, I felt his heart. He goes, don't you know if you do for my heart, I would reward you even better? And it just made sense. <laughs> you know, just weeping and weeping the whole weekend. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit that weekend and like, oh, oh my gosh, so, so much happened. But that came that Monday morning and I went to that office and the offer letter, the VP, across from that big desk, pushes that offer letter in front of me, and it said everything I ever wanted. And I just looked at it, looked at her. I don't know if I shared this story with you, but let me share it again. That was turning point in my life in faith. It's one thing to hear God, but what are you going to do about it? Moment. Right? And I took that letter, and I pushed it back to her. And I said, I want you to know I really want this. I really want this. But I had to, what I failed to tell you before was I had signed up for this mission trip. It would require a whole month of travel away. And as a brand-new rookie, who am I to even ask you for that kind of time off with the responsibilities and all that? So I, I declined. And she just looked at me. Silence for the longest time. She just looked at me. And then she pushed the letter back to me. I still want you to have it. You can have that time. I got what I wanted. She got what she wanted. God got what? I got to serve in the mission trip. I Like, you understand? Seek first his kingdom and all these other things given to you. When you seek God first, when you put your trust in him, you lay it down and see what he's going to do. I want you to know that, um, like, I calculated that year. Three months of training. One month away. Four months out of the first year, I, there was no production. So in a 12-month quota, typically, I, what I did in eight months I exceeded the quota and the expectation. I'm not saying this to brag because I received so much favor that year. Like, I was leading small groups. We were growing, doubling in size, and we were like so much things that God was doing in my personal life and in work. I worked far less because when I was calling and prospecting and marketing or whatever, I would just, and my success rate was so much higher that I was breaking records of opening up new accounts and opportunities. That was all God. Because I've been in corporate sales before, and I, it was never that easy. When you first seek God, all these other things happen as well. Not saying all my life I received that kind of favor or walked in that kind of favor. But there was a season where I did not worry or was anxious because I sought God first. 
Sometimes it's our faith that puts us in where we are. Sometimes we say we're doing something for God or the kingdom, and he is nowhere to be our Lord. God gives us free will, guys. You can sow into the kingdom or sow into your own life, and we reap what we sow into. I find it interesting that our Lord, in preaching Matthew 5, 6, to his believing audience, goes from the religious topic to the financial, then he brings it all up around about faith to me. Your anxiousness, your worries is tied to your faith. Maybe we don't know about this faith, the power of faith, the power to trust God. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered, I truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, if you remember, he made it wither and die instantly. And even if you say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Is it possible that if you have faith, nothing is impossible? Do you have faith to believe that? I confess that I have struggled with orphan spirit. Orphan spirit is you have a father, but you think you are abandoned or you are fatherless. And the orphans are like the goats, if you remember my message. They're doers. They, they try to make it happen. The father wants to give. The father wants to provide. But we say, I can do it on my own as an orphan. Maybe it's the badge that we want to carry and say, I did it on my own. And I used to say that. In my, it used to hurt my mom. I used to say, you know, my parents were always working. I raised myself. And my mother kind of mocked me. She's like, you've raised yourself. You raised yourself. And I didn't get it until I had my own kids. That even when I thought I was raising myself, here's my mom and dad providing for the bed and the rent. And yeah, they were absent a lot of times because they were working to provide. We somehow deceive ourselves to think we are orphans. We're doing it independently. We're doing it, making it work. But God has been there with you, providing for you. You may not give him the glory, but I want you to recognize if you do, far more doors can open. Far more things can happen. The only person who's depriving ourselves is us, when we live as orphans as opposed to the heavenly father who cares about our everyday thing. Are you guys getting this? Good. I thought some of you guys were falling asleep. Anyways. I, um, we're going to close in prayer. I'm going to have the prayer team to come up. Uh, I, I want to close with this thought. 
Do you know who the Father is? Prayer team, will you guys come up? Do you know our God as your heavenly Father? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then he may be this big God of the distance. But I'm saying, do you know him personally that he speaks to you and you walk with him? You can. That's what I'm, this is what the prayer team is here for, okay? He can, they can lead you, they're trained, they're equipped. Oh my gosh, they're super anointed. Like, they're, we have amazing prayer team. We have seen miracles here in the last several weeks. God is doing amazing things to those who believe. And I'm just saying, but to you personally, I don't know what you've been going through. Maybe why this message was prepared for you. There is faith tied. There is uh, how you've been feeling, how you've been anxious, how you've been maybe worrying about your tomorrow and all these things. I'm just saying, they might be tied to your faith. You have to know the Father. Do you think He cares about you more than the lilies of the field? That He takes cares about where you work, who you are with, your stature. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, thank you for your love and your kindness that you love your children. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here. That Lord, we don't come to church to be religious, but we come to our Heavenly Father to honor and to worship, that we might know you more. And I pray for my family here, my brothers and sisters, to know you in a deep way, how you love them, how you care for them, how you are a father to them, and do not want to see them go astray to making bad choices, but to partner with you and to partner and to invest into the kingdom that they may be able to see the fruit, that they may be able to see a harvest abundance of multiples in their life. Sometimes we worry about our finances, Lord. But we thank you for testimonies like Kristen who shared, you provided, you take those who believe in you that you have poured into to pour into their life. You use resources and all over that from the least expected areas to bless us Lord, may we have the kingdom mindset. Why shall we worry when it adds nothing, no value, not even a span or increase, not even one cubit to our stature? But may we take faith in the Almighty God. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We rise, church. I'm going to bless you. I want to bless you. Um, I give benediction, but you know, when I surrender, I lift up my hands. When I'm like in all of God, I raise them higher. (laughs) 
but our physical gesture shows what's in our heart, right? It's not legalistic. I'm just saying, I want to bless what God has blessed me to bless you. Not just in words, but in the spirit. So receive. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord shines, radiates his glory upon you. The Lord bless you. Lord, keep you, protect you. You do not have to worry in your own way. He keeps you. That even if you lose things, it will be returned back to you. That it is not a loss to you. He protects you and covers you. That the, even the, when the enemy comes against you and try to discourage you, the Lord protects you and keeps you and make his face shine upon you. He is the glorious one. His, he is who he is. His glory is manifested. And when you are awakened by that light of his glory, you cannot help but be blessed and smile when his radiance is upon you. He shines upon you, that you are known, you are recognized, that the community sees you because of his glory is upon you. He glorifies you because he says, you are my son, you are my image bearer, you are mine, you are the idol, that when people see you, they see me. You are my glory. The Lord shines upon you and be gracious to you. So go forth from receiving that blessing from victory for victory. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. That is not from the Father. That is from your flesh. That is from your lack of faith. Keep faith. Believe. Trust who he is. Sow into the ministries and see what God is doing and partner with him. And let there be harvest in your life. Let there be multiples in your life. Let there be freedom in your life. Release that, Lord. Thank you. We receive, we receive all that you have in store right now. Breakthrough and freedom and blessings. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.